hace mucho tiempo que no publico nada en este podcast. Mucho más tiempo del que me gustaría admitir. Para las personas que están todavía suscritas a, a este podcast, la verdad es que lo primero que debo pedir es una disculpa porque publiqué dos, tres episodios y desaparecí. Eh, no desaparecí por completo, he estado escribiendo para otro podcast y, y me encanta lo que he estado escribiendo los treinta y pico episodios que he escrito. Es un podcast que se llama Otro Día Maravilloso y lo hago con mi buena amiga Luisa Cárdenas. Entonces, si estás suscrito o suscrita a este podcast y te gusta la manera en que escribía y narraba en esos episodios, que tal vez por esa razón es que, es que estás suscrito o suscrita, eh, creo que puedes ir y escuchar otro día maravilloso, un podcast que tengo muy cercano a mi corazón, que me encanta y espero que te guste, no sé, eh, eso es lo que puedo decir por el momento sobre eso. La razón por la que llevo mucho tiempo sin publicar nada aquí, porque bueno, no sé, la vida, la vida, la vida pasó, el año pasado fue muy loco, fue muy extraño, fue bastante impredecible y simplemente estuve enfocada en trabajar, trabajar, trabajar. Y este podcast que cuando lo empecé fue tan importante para mí y fue como un outlet creativo que me emocionaba muchísimo. Pasó a ser, no quiero decir eh, segunda opción, pasó a ser como decimosexta opción de prioridades en mi vida. Y la verdad es que eso está totalmente en mí y es totalmente mi culpa, pero soy católica y estoy intentando no sentirme culpable por todas las cosas de mi vida. Así que bueno, la vida pasó, por eso no he publicado nada, pero hoy estoy aquí y hoy quiero publicar algo, hoy tengo ideas. Eh, parte de lo que pasó el año pasado es que de repente yo me encontraba, no sé, un sábado en la mañana, un miércoles en la noche y decía, oh, ojalá hubiera justamente el tipo de podcast que yo quiero hacer existiera eh, en este momento, quizás hecho por otra persona, no lo sé, pero algo que me ayudara a identificar cuál es mi estado de ánimo y qué tipo de películas puedo ver en ese estado de ánimo. Entonces, sí, le debo mucho a esta idea y le debo que se realice. Entonces, quiero pensar que este año voy a hacerlo realidad. Quiero pensar que me voy a sentar a escribir y que voy a hacer todos los episodios que tengo súper engavetados en una carpeta en Google Drive y que no he sacado pero a ver si todavía sigues aquí, muchísimas gracias y espero que te guste mucho este episodio. Este episodio es especial para mí, quizás no es exactamente igual que los otros episodios que publiqué antes, que hice antes, pero la verdad es que este es un espacio como bastante libre para mí, así que voy a publicar lo que quiero publicar y lo que se siente honesto y se sienta genuino. Y lo que se siente genuino en este momento es que ayer justamente estaba hablando con mi novio mi prometido, nos vamos a casar, eh, se llama Matt, y estaba hablando con Matt sobre lo mucho que quería retomar este podcast, ¿no? Y entonces que quizás ahorita la temporada de premios de los Oscar podía ser una buena excusa para publicar algo. Y Matt me dijo como muy de la nada, a ver, ¿qué tal si nosotros grabamos juntos el episodio, ¿no? Y, y hablamos sobre, sobre estas películas. 
Y la verdad es que para las personas que conocen a Matt o las personas que van a conocer a Matt, no lo sé, esto es una gran sorpresa, fue una gran sorpresa para mí porque Matt es una persona muy privada, prácticamente no tiene presencia en social media, no le gusta como dejar, digamos, sus ideas por ahí en internet y honestamente nunca había pensado que pudiera participar conmigo en un podcast. Entonces que lo hiciéramos para este podcast o, o que él tuviera la idea siquiera de que habláramos juntos en un podcast para mí fue como un instantáneo sí, vamos a hacerlo, por supuesto que sí vamos a hacerlo mañana, hoy son los Oscars así que hoy decidimos grabar, editar, hacer todo bueno, yo estoy editando y no sé si la gente lo va a escuchar antes de los Oscars después de los Oscars, pero lo que va a quedar del episodio es una conversación entre él y yo sobre cómo nos sentimos al ver estas películas nominadas y también en qué estado de ánimo pudiéramos estar para ver estas películas. ¿Cuál sería el mejor estado de ánimo para estar? Entonces decidimos hablar de eso. También hay un poquito de nuestra relación, pero más que todo va a ser como un episodio de una conversación entre nosotros dos, como siempre las tenemos, como todos los días que nos llamamos. Tenemos una relación a distancia en un 70%, entonces las llamadas y videollamadas son nuestro día a día prácticamente. Entonces, pues esto va a ser un poquito diferente. No estoy segura cómo va a resultar, pero es honesto y es genuino y es una conversación con una persona que amo mucho. Y así como lo amo mucho a él, amo mucho el cine. Súper cliché, pero es la verdad. El cine sigue siendo una de mis pasiones más importantes y he pasado mucho tiempo alejada un poco del cine por estar haciendo muchas otras cosas, por estar trabajando, por estar enfocada en otras cosas. Y la verdad es que quiero que eso cambie y quiero volver a esta idea. Quiero crear algo a partir de este podcast. Quiero poder, no sé, expresar un poco lo muy feliz que me hace el cine y no solo feliz sino muchas otras emociones y me genera muchos otros estados de ánimo entonces pues nada espero que disfruten este episodio está un poquito largo es como de una hora y piquito ah disclaimer nuestra conversación es en inglés para las personas que no entiendan muy bien inglés lamento mucho que toda la conversación sea en inglés Matt es estadounidense entonces habla 100% en inglés, está aprendiendo a hablar en español pero nuestras conversaciones diarias son en inglés entonces esta va a ser una conversación 100% en inglés excepto por un par de palabras por ahí creo que eso es todo, muchas gracias Ah, por cierto, mi nombre es Oriana Mata y este es mi podcast In the Mood for Films. Disfruten. Bye. All right, this is take three of our conversation about the Oscars. It's not worth doing unless you're going to do it three times. That's what she said. Uh, I don't even know how to introduce you anymore. I already did this twice. Hey, everyone. This is Matt. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is Matt, and we are engaged to be married. We're getting married soon. And when we do, he's going to change his name to Matt Mata. Isn't that right? Fun fact. Uh, 
it makes me giggle and I do anything <laughs> for the bit. Uh, well, apparently that is happening. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but we want to talk about this year's uh, Oscars movies. And I just want to know what you think of this year's Oscars. For people who know. don't know me, I might be more better at movies than Ori. Like movies, I live and breathe movies. I sleep movies. Um, you breathe I snack, movies. I snack movies. I just yes. movies, movies, movies. No, I don't. I don't. I don't really watch movies. This this is the year I've uh, embraced movies into my cold, dark heart, and it's opened me up to the world a little more. The irony of my life, it's that I fell deeply in love with a person that doesn't love movies. When I spent most of my 20s looking for a person that had the same knowledge in movies as I did, and I fell in love with Matt. And his knowledge about movies is next to like 20%. And I love you very much. And I don't care about that. I opened a litter box on January right. 1st, 2022 for her. Um, because on our first date, she pulled out her phone and went, you have to see my letter boxed. And I was I like, I did not. I did not. Uh, within an hour of our first meeting, you pulled out your letter boxed. We've been through this so many times. And I remember you asking me what kind of movies I liked which I don't know why you did that because you didn't know any of the movies that I told you. And I was very nervous because it was our first date and we were having some drinks and I totally forgot what my favorite movies were. So but I- But you conveniently had a hundred movie list on Letterboxd. You could yes. Tell me. And uh, what I did was what any you know sane person would have done. And I just pull up my phone and I went, hey, I don't remember the movies that I like, but I have this app. And this app is called Letterbox, and oh. it's not like it's not like I put the app out for anything. It was, you know, it was in the moment. It happened because it had well, to happen. I opened one on January first, twenty twenty two, and I did like fifty six movies in twenty twenty two. So I'm kind of a movie expert now. You are a cinephile, baby. How's that? Uh, certified genius. Tell me five movies you watched last year, quick now. Avatar: Way of Water, Avatar One. Uh, Puss in Boots, Last Wish, but that was 2023. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, Four. Uh, Pantries of Anishirene. Five. Um, din, 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 what else did I watch? I don't know, a lot of forgettable Those are movies. Five. Those are five. I watched okay. a lot of bad movies on a lot of airplanes. We did it. We totally did it. Um, thank you, Delta, for your you know, in-flight movies. Thank you. I don't make so much So much garbage on in-flight movies, and I've seen uh, a lot of garbage movies this year, but I'm better yes. for it. They're terrible. Um, oh, we were talking about having an episode of a podcast where we talk about airplane movies. I think we should do that. I point. think airplane movies are a total vibe. Like, I think there are some movies that just belong on the tiny silver screen of a movie, of an yeah. airplane movie screen. Rule number one for an airplane movie. I mean, a movie that you're going to watch on an airplane. Um, you shouldn't have airplane crashes in them. Because that is creepy and that will freak people out. And it I have the, watched movies like that. It needs to toe the line between being just boring enough to keep you awake and just interesting enough that you don't care. Yes. 
it's like a really fine line to tell with the, the proper airplane movie. And also, it shouldn't be a movie with a great sound design because it is known that no matter what kind of uh, headphones you use on an airplane, uh, the sound quality is going to be garbage because you're going to be listening to the airplane hum the entire time and probably like kids crying and, you know, the announcements and, you know, it can't be a movie that you have to engage I watched Gravity design. on my last flight, movie with noted wonderful sound design, and man, was you lose trash? half the what was it trash? You lose half the movie by just hearing an engine the entire movie. Yeah, that's why I think it's funny that so many people watch Tenet on flights. I I remember when Tenet came out on BOD, and then it was on airplanes. Every flight that I took. There were at least like five people watching Tenet at the same time. But in defense of those people, nothing could have saved that train wreck. And also in defense of those people, that is the way that Christopher Nolan intended to have his movie watch. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter. I've watched it three times last year and I only letterboxed it once. And you know what? I still couldn't tell you the plot other than time moves forward, time moves backwards. I'm very confused. I think that's the perfect summary for the movie. That's the perfect description. You but don't need to add anything else. So damn cool while they do it. So you know what? Props for style. I have a question. Did you watch it with subtitles of any form? At least one of the times I watched it with subtitles because the volume gets really loud in that movie and really quiet. And then just imagine watching that movie without subtitles and hearing it in your second language. Like, it's impossible. Um, but if I, I ever watch a movie at home, it's generally with subtitles on. Spanish or English? Um, depends on the app. So if I'm watching it like on an airplane, I'll turn on the English subtitles. But at home, all my apps default to Spanish subtitles. So uh, everything I've watched in the last like eight months has had Spanish subtitles on it. Así que te puedo hablar en español ahora. Speak a little slower. Así que te puedo hablar en español ahora. I'm not going to speak in Spanish now. <laughs> yeah, I just said that I can speak to you in Spanish now because you've had all your Spanish lessons on your movies. That is one great thing about movies, people. They teach you about languages. Um, just don't watch a movie from Spain because it gets really confusing really fast. They or speak funny Spanish. Chile. We don't understand a single thing. Chile says on anything like I Chilean to, movies. I tried Netflix had like that string of like really big Spanish hits for a while. Um, yeah, Money Heist. I tried to watch that in Spanish, and man, ooh, wait, confused. wait, wait, is that La Casa de Papel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, did they translate that to Money Heist? Yeah, that could be like any movie, any TV show that it's called uh, Money Heist, and you know it's what? like. Original working title of Ocean's Eleven, Money Heist. Oh, thank God it was called Ocean's Eleven after that because, <laughs> you know. I'm just kidding. That was something enough. Okay. Um, what about Vegas Heist? That would have been, you know, top of the line name for a movie. The first one was Money Heist. The second one was Jewel Heist. And the third <laughs> one, I don't I forget the plot of the third one. Something Heist. More money, more heist. More money, more heist, more fast. Faster, more faster money, faster heist. Harder, harder. And then, then the the Sandra Bullock reboot was just Met Gala heist. Oh man, that was Steven a great Soderbergh movie. really, really messed up those titles. Oh, but 
that was a great movie. I don't care yeah. what anyone says. I I love I love eight as much as I love thirteen. Just the number eight. Just no, like no, no. Oceans, eight. like it's like in the hierarchy of oceans movies, it's Oceans Eleven, Oceans Thirteen, Oceans Twelve, and Oceans Eight on its own separate universe is equivalent with like Oceans Thirteen because like Eight invented the genre or Eleven invented yes. the genre. Yes. Um, and the sequel sucked, but the the the, the threequel was top notch. Do we agree that the fake no nose fake nose on your Matt pal Damon. Matt Damon was the best of all the movies. Oh my god, the fake fake nose pheromones! Ah, oh, such oh, a man. good. That was that so was stupid. Great. That was awesome. I loved it. That was awesome. And oh, Besalka on Ocean's Eight, the Ukrainian restaurant that we went to. Uh, great scene. I mean, Brogi's forever. Been yes. So we have Oscars this year. Actually, Oscars are tonight. I is that like really an hope- award ceremony? I've never heard of them before. Um, you know, it's a it's a party that a dude named Oscar gives, and he just throws gold at people, at Hollywood celebrities. That's just how it works. So like it's called the Oscars. Yeah, right. Like having so much gold to throw around, it's just like Babylon, twenty four seven, twenty four seven. Babylon, a great movie that was not in the best picture category. How do you feel um, about that? Okay, so my feelings on Babylon are complex because you convinced me to watch it, and I watched it. I loved it. Um, it was fun. It was a it, but you know what? Let that movie down. Whoever whoever they let market that movie should never market a movie ever again. Um, it was awful. Yeah, they didn't. They they the marketing should have prominently featured from like the minds of La La Land and the minds of Whiplash. You didn't see any of that in the marketing from the marketing. You thought it was a three hour party with, with Margot Robbie and um, pretty guy whose name I forget. Um, um, I mean, if you say that, I think Diego Calva, which no, is no, no. the, Oh, he the other the pretty character. guy, the, 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 Brad Pitt. So, the, okay. So Brad Pitt. So, so you assume from the marketing that you saw that it was a three hour party of Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. Yes. And then you learn it's like that's not the plot at all. Like you see the movie and you're like, "Whoa, that was not the plot advertised to me in the the teaser trailers." Um, the whoever marketed that movie should just be shot because they're they're the reason that movie was not hyped. Like the marketing people were, I mean, should never if, market again. If you think about it, it is a three hour party movie. It's a party the whole time. But they only feature the party in like that, like the part, the first party in the movie, the first like yes. like in the first thirty minutes, 20, 20, 30 minutes. That's the only yeah. thing you see in the ads. You have no clue that it's like the story of like Hollywood. That like like it's you don't have no clue like that it, it's this homage to like a hundred years of movie making. Like it's it's a great story that you do not get from the trailers, and the trailers don't even try to introduce um, um, Diego Calva. Diego Calva, you you never yes. see him, and man, that guy acts his face off. He's great. And he's like a new newcomer. He I've never seen him in anything else. And he's really great. Um, Could he be the new James Bond? I don't know if a Mexican man can be James Bond. It's supposed to be a British man, oh. as far as I know. <laughs> I guess so, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> we've, we've been through this. I want I I want uh, Dev Patel to be the new to, to be the new James Bond. I just think I want to see that guy with Diego Calva in more movies. He was he was he entertained me for a yes. while. Yes, he was he was great. Um and welcome to In the Mood for Films. Just like Babylon, the intro to this podcast, it's 
uh, at least 10 minutes in. Um, Babylon's, no elephants poop on you in the intro to this one. No, which is, you know, great. And no sorry for person, the Babylon spoilers. No people. No, it's not a spoiler. It's like the beginning of the movie. And no people are dying in any room of my house right now uh, by an overdose, which it's not, you know, don't do that. Don't do hey, that at home. Hey, hey, hey. Are we going to talk about what happens before the overdose? Um, a lot of, I mean, honestly, there are many overdoses in that movie. A so lot the, of things the happen. The first overdose in the movie, what happens to that man before he ODs? Yeah, he is peed on by a, <laughs> by a very beautiful lady that ends up dying. And that is Babylon. Do you think, Matt, that we're doing the same here? I don't think so. <laughs> I just wanted you to say it. Um, yeah, so welcome to In the Marvel Films, which is a um, podcast that I created to talk about movies and the mood that you should be to watch said movie. And the Oscars are tonight, and we have 10 Best Picture nominees for this year's Academy Awards. And I just want to know what you think of them. I want to know what you feel about these movies. Um, disclaimer, we haven't watched either Matt or I haven't watched all the movies in the best picture category, but we did watch a few of them together. Uh, we watched what Avatar did we watch? Way of Water. Yes. Avatar Wait, is that up for Water. best picture? Yes, it is. is that awful script. Wow. I mean, what do you think Hollywood is about? Just uh, come on. Um, James Cameron is not the guy that you would say he has great dialogue, um, but apparently people think that he's a great scriptwriter, which I would, you know, not Disagree say the same. With wholeheartedly. Yeah. And then we have the wonderful, wonderful, sad, and equally funny, The Benches of Inishirin. That movie won my heart. That should be the best movie of this year and last year and maybe next year. What do you think of Marty McDonough? Uh, long time lover, long time lover. It's a shame he'll never do theater again, but you know what? He's quitting theater for the reasons I'm quitting theater. So I mad respect to that man. Well, he said that I, well, you did hear the interview that I sent you the other day, the Hollywood no. reporter interview. He says that he wants to do theater again at some point. Um, but I think he's too drugged on the idea of movies and he's he's given a few different conflicting answers to the question but the one he's like the answer he's said most often is that he's just tired at the pace at which theater works yes also i think that the actors that he wants to use uh for theater are actors that are not doing theater anymore because it's such a commitment for a long time that you know, he's not working for, you know, big name actors anymore. He's going to do what every great theater person does where he doesn't do it for like five years. And then he's going to be like, oh, you know what? Film sucks. And then he's going to go back and do do like one or two shows. And he's going to be like, man, this sucks. And he's going to go back to film. And it's going to be a thing for the next 30 years of his life. Yeah, I can't wait until that happens. Um, I hope one of his plays opens in New York so we can go and see it because I will like to see some of his work in real time. Or it's a good excuse for a vacation wherever he's doing a show at. That is true. That is true. He might open up something in London, probably. He lives in London, right? With Phoebe Waller-Bridge, his uh, genius uh, partner who well, is a he, genius by herself. He tends to debut almost all of his shows in Ireland first. 
that's why it's like very expensive for him because he he almost always debuts them in in Ireland at, uh, at one of the big theaters, not big is a loose term in Ireland, but one of their larger theaters. And then he brings it over to London after he workshops it in Ireland. And then from London, it then goes to New York. So that's, that's why he's like frustrated with the whole process because he does it, he, he does it, you know, the cheap version in Ireland, and then he does a slightly more expensive version in London. And then he does the, the most expensive version in New York. I think a few people might be confused right now on how you know so much about Marty McDonough's work. Can you briefly explain um, how do you know so much about Marty McDonough? I have a very useless college degree in theater. So my first my first play ever in college was a Martin McDonough play, and I did a semester of like heavy script analysis of all the plays he had published up to that point. Um, the Leanne trilogy and The Pillow Man were like the my introduction to his work when... Um, when I was in college, my freshman year, and uh, the, you know, the first play I ever did in college was uh, Martin McDonough, um, where they dug up some bodies and we and they smashed up some skeletons with hammers on stage every night, and I got to help cast the skeletons because through the course of the run, we destroyed like uh, 200 skeletons on stage every night. Oh or, not God. every night, but over the course of the run, we destroyed like 200 skeletons. So we had to like cast whole skeletons from plaster once a week let them set and and for a while i had a skull from the show on my on my thing but it got destroyed in a move and was that the experience that made you fall in love with the show business uh honestly it was like one of the formative experiences of my like early theater brain um that kept me going like this is cool like because like the, the the other mechanics of the whole thing is they had to dig a six foot grave every night into the stage, uh, and in reality, it takes a very long time to dig six feet. And so there's some through some theater magic, um, they they dug a six foot grave every night in about ten minutes, twenty minutes, um, um, through the use of um, a nice fancy elevator that for every you know foot they'd get out of the grave, the thing would go down a foot, yeah. and it would look like they were digging a grave and pulling bones out every night. It was uh, pretty cool. That's a lot of tag for, you know, uh, uh, play, um, the whole, you know, um, elevator system. I'm not, it was like a big hydraulic piston. It was a single piston that you'd press a little button and yeah. air would release out of it. Uh, like a nerf, you know, like a nerf gun. Yes. It's like a nerf gun. Um, you charge, you know, charge it with a little bicycle pump and yeah. it would go up and then you'd let the air out of the tire and the thing goes down. So now that we're talking about a skeletons, if, yes. so it doesn't sound that bad that this movie has a lot of chop fingers of a living person's hand. Uh, uh, the the hallmark of every one of his shows is that there's a lot of his mind is a there's blood and dark place, dark and you know it's just fucked up things, you know. Um, but I enjoyed the benches of Inisherin. It it I was thinking about what kind of mood I would assigned to any of these movies and honestly i think for banshees i would watch it if i am in a excited mood i would watch it if i am in a nostalgic mood i would not watch it if i'm sad because it can make me sadder but well, at the, the same the, time the, the end story is a story of hope it is a story of hope yes but it's also a story of breakup and hope heartbreak. through pain do you think there's hope through pain? No, I'm not a masochist. Yeah, I that's what I thought. Um, <laughs> uh, in the end, is a story about heartbreak. And how do you get over heartbreak? And how does that, you know, heartbreak moves you to create things? Because that's what 
um, what's his name? Sorry, they have very Irish names, and I don't remember the the leads the leads. But let's say, um, what's the the lead Colin actor? Farrell. Yeah, I know who Colin Farrell is. No, the other one, uh, Gleason. Brent, Brendan. Brendan Gleason. Yes. Um, that's what he does in the end. He creates out of this heartbreak. Um, but he creates his heartbreak too because he decides to, you know, break the friendship with his friend. I mean, when you don't got a lot going on, sometimes you make your own drama. I guess so. I guess so. Um, great movie. Very funny. I laughed so much watching this movie. And I laughed at, you know, moments that a person, like a sane person, shouldn't be laughing at. And I thought it was deeply uh, funny. Uh, great dark comedy uh, but i think i would also watch it if i if i'm feeling nostalgic or you know um if i'm feeling melancholy i would definitely watch uh the banshees of inisherin so we got avatar the way of water a movie that we watched on the movie theater and it was insufferable to see people taking pictures in the in videos the entire time was it that movie that yes. people were taking videos oh my god yeah and we had some people talking next to us. It was a great movie experience. It was one of the worst movie experiences I've had in a while. <laughs> and you know what? I'd I'd say even if those people, even if it was a better movie, like it would have still been a bad experience. Yeah, it was not great. Like, it was it was it was the perfect storm of bad movie experience. It was an awful movie. The crowd was awful. The tickets were expensive. It was so much money. We spent so much money watching that movie. The popcorn was bad. No, the popcorn was fine. No, the popcorn was good. Did we have popcorn? I don't remember. I you, think we you ate always, before. You, you always get popcorn. No, I don't. I don't remember having popcorn there. I think we all, ate before that. All I know is that whoever greenlit that script should be deeply ashamed of themselves. What kind of mood would you say you recommend watching Avatar: The Way of Water in? Is Getting high as balls a mood. Yeah, sure. Yeah, just get high as balls. Like like so much so that you forget, like you can't feel your feet and yes. go see that movie because the less that plot makes sense, the more fun you're gonna have at it. And then you see all the whales. If and... you go in sober, you're in for an awful time. If you're if you go in sober and you're like a person of reasonable intelligence, you're in for an awful time. If you're if you're dumb dumb, go see it sober. You're gonna have such a good time. What about the entertainment? What about people that just want, you know, blue people blasting on the screen for them and, you know, going I into just water? Said, if you're a dum-dum, you're going to have a great time. Also, I think that if you are very high and you will, like, you get the full experience of this girl, Kitty, that she is in love with the water now and she's one with the water and the nature and the big tree and all that. Um, you mean deep fake Sigourney Weaver? Yes, deep fake Sigourney Weaver. Yes, uh, we don't know about that. I am so upset that they didn't give us this girl's background because that means that they're gonna give us at least four more movies about it. Here's a so. here's a confession. I've uh, YouTubed up the conspiracy theories around this character. Oh, so and, now you uh, know everything because ooh, of YouTube. Oh, some YouTube. Is there's a there's a thriving Avatar community <laughs> on YouTube. And uh, where, where these people theorize her character is going is equally, you could have guessed it by watching this movie. What about equally, Tarzan Kid? 
they kind of they, they they telegraphed where he's going. Yeah. Do you think Tarzan Kid will become Navi at some point? No, he has a yeah, like like my best guess. Spoilers if no one's seen this billion dollar movie. Did it make a billion or a trillion dollars? It made a I lot don't of know. money. It made a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Spoilers abound. Um Tarzan Kid, I think next movie. He wants to, you know, daddy issues, clearly daddy yes. issues. He's going to go fight for a big bad dad. Um, and then, and then, so that's Avatar, what, three? So then Avatar forced his redemption arc and he goes and was like, oh man, I fought for some bad, bad, bad person. Because like we, we, we they've also said that Jake Sully is not the narrator of the next movie. The next movie is narrated by his son. Yeah. Um, and so his, you know, his son is best friends with Tarzan kids. So I think Avatar four is the, uh turn it all around redemption art for Tarzan kid. And it's probably also when, when it comes to a head when, when deep fake Sigourney Weaver. Um, also, I will never learn the names of any character in any movie. I'm just going to describe everyone the best yeah, way I know is, how. This is a thing Matt does. He um, never learns anyone's names. He goes, yeah, big tall person, uh, blue hat person. And I love him. Anyways, keep going. Um, yeah. So, so cl- clearly avatar four is the setup for, uh, Defect Sigourney Weaver, Tarzan Kid to like have to come together through some great conflict. Probably after we meet the Lava Navi, and I don't know, we we haven't met the Lava Navi, and we haven't met the Rock Navi, and like we know we know that this is just James Cameron is now so thoroughly ripped off Avatar: The Last Airbender and creating Avatar: The Blue People that um, we now have at least two more tribes of uh, of people to meet. Do you think that military guy would will? um side with the navvies at some point and then oh, no. it will be everyone against other navvies though if there's one thing we know about james cameron it's that he does not believe in character development so no it's true that guy's not, hey that but you haven't changing. you haven't watched titanic so. the, the 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 only the only character development we get is generational character development the only way they grow as a person is that they have a kid who grows as a person that um true. J- james cameron only knows only knows that kind of character development you can't you, you're locked into who you are. I mean, his characters develop a lot of daddy and mommy issues, if that's something to develop, I guess. Um, but besides from that, I don't think they do much. Um, but I guess that's enough for Avatar The Way of Water. Um, All right. Top Gun Maverick. What kind of mood would you be to watch Top Gun Maverick? Patriotic. Yeah. God bless America and stuff. Aye, aye, Captain. Aye, aye, Captain. Yes. Um, is that the movie where they say I feel the need for speed or something? Or no, I'm pretty something? sure that's Need for Speed. That is uh, that. Wait, is that a video true. game or is that a movie? I don't know. I I have no idea. <laughs> no, they did it's not a say movie that I've in, never watched. It. They did not say that in Top Gun. Top Gun, they said a lot of things. I couldn't tell you a name of any character in that movie. I couldn't tell you the plot other than planes go fast. Broom, 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 broom. Um, America fighting a faceless foreign enemy, uh, a tale as old as time. And then the movie becomes Mission Impossible at some point. And, the movie you becomes know, Mission Impossible with airplanes. It's all perfect for Tom Cruise. You know, it's it's perfect for everyone. Tom um, Cruise yet again drives a motorcycle. Like, I mean, and he looks damn good while doing that. I you know, <sighs> gotta be honest. Um, I watched this movie in the best american experience that i could it was so picture this summer of 22 mid-june well late june um the sun is shining the air is you know airing and uh 
Arturo and I, my boss and I, we were in Cape Cod, Massachusetts doing some things and we finished doing some things. And then we um, ended up watching Top Gun Maverick in a movie theater in a little town in Cape Cod full of uh, very patriotic American people. And it was a bar movie. So we was we were sitting in tables, not even like, you know, uh, movie theater chairs. We were sitting in tables and people were drinking and having nachos and whatnot. And we watched this movie and the parts that we left about the movie, no one else left with us because apparently it was not something to make fun of and we were just laughing ourselves up and it was a great experience i gotta be honest i would say top gun maverick would be the movie i watch if i was feeling very light with myself um so the 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 feeling i have is after you've gotten highest balls and watched avatar when you're sober and some of those brain cells have just fallen out of your brain you then go watch Top Gun Maverick. I think that's fair. I when think you, we come to an agreement. When you need your world rocked, you put For that on in all aspects. It's loud. It's in your face. Um, it is. Or if you're feeling righteous indig- indignation at the the way America goes, go watch that and you can get some moral outrage because, man, America being the good, good guy in that movie. We don't even know who are they against to. And... It's a faceless, I mean, it's, it's a it's, faceless enemy. It's um, telegraphed as being the Iranians, but uh, you know what? Woo uh, woo, America, America. Should we fuck go into yeah. politics, or should we proceed to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once? Uh I guess we should go on. Sausage hands, baby. That's all I want to say. Hot dog fingers. Yes, hot dog fingers. I have and- sausage hands. They had hot dog fingers. <laughs> and what's the ratatouille that is not ratatouille? Um, ratatouille rat, ratatouille we've been through this ratatouille okay. um uh raccoon 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 god bless michelle yao what kind of this is a good one what kind of mood would you be to watch everything everywhere all at once i think i think it's a dual mood movie i think if you have like a sense of like childlike wonder at the world you're gonna want to like watch that movie um would you watch this movie on a tuesday night what's so special about a tuesday night maybe you want to feel some wonder on a tuesday night maybe or would you watch this movie on a sunday morning like today uh you know I think I think it's uh, the wrong choice for like a coffee movie because you need yes. to give it your all. And a coffee movie is a movie you can like get up from and do the dishes. Uh, but, it's a movie that like demands your attention. Yeah, but would you watch this movie after a whole day of working, or would you watch this movie first? You know, first thing in the morning, without any responsibility through the day. I do mean, you want to it's... go to bed? With the feeling that the movie leaves, or do you want to go on with your day with the feeling that the movie leaves? I think as long as you can give it your attention, because it demands your attention, you can watch it whenever. Because I think it's one you can rewatch. I don't think I many think other I movies on the list it. are like rewatchable movies. Um, like I don't mm. think like Top, Top Gun Maverick, you're not gonna rewatch. Um, you're gonna watch it in a decade. 
a lot of people will rewatch them. It's I think at some point it's going to be like a summer staple, Top Gun Maverick. And it's going to be like 10-year anniversary rewatch of Top Gun Maverick at yeah, the movie yeah, theater. But, but also know? the moment you leave that theater, that movie has like dropped out of your brain. With everything everywhere all at once, no matter when you watch it, it's going to be in your brain. Um, which is why it's worth a rewatch because like, you know, the the there's a few great, great plays that were like one act plays um and or like you know two act plays but like they've left a lot of questions unresolved and the the, the saying is that if you write a good <clears throat> good enough play like the second act is the people leaving the theater to th- talk about it on talk their way out it. the door yeah. and i think that's a movie where like it ends and like the the great that's what five act movie the great sixth act is leaving and talking about it with your friends as you leave no matter when you see it um yeah. or just thinking about it real hard um, but it's a movie that demands to be thought of and it demands and it's sticky in your brain. Whereas like Top Gun, your brain turned to mush. You leave the theater and you want, oh, things went fast and it yeah. falls out of your brain. And you go, God bless America. Avatar. And then you don't have a lot to say about Avatar, it. Avatar, your brain has left left <laughs> your, your head like like two hours before that movie has ended. <laughs> and you don't want to think about it when you leave other than never sitting in a theater that long ever again. But everything everywhere. I remember you watched it. Like you watch it on the movie theater, right? Like a few I, months I, I before did. me. Yeah. And you left the theater and you called me right away and you were like, God, I really want to talk to you about this movie, but I'm going to wait until you watch it. And then I watched it like at least like a month later. And it was, it was a wild ride. That, 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 movie's, wild ride. that movie's getting real screwed right now because we went from this place where it was like fully original, fully great. And it was great. And now we have like, multiverse fatigue um marvel really did a number on it it premiered a year ago like exactly a year ago so it's i think it it should win like a guinness award on the movie that's been campaigning the longest in any oscar career yeah and it's getting get screwed the hardest because we're just all done with multiverses now and we're done with it all like honestly i think that movie will win best picture tonight it it kicked off the year of multiverse that is true um i think lucky was first and we were pretty excited about lucky um or was it uh the scarlet witch whatever no yeah yeah. whatever but like you get what I'm saying, like in the in the in the big the big movie thing, it broke a lot of ground first, and then Marvel came along and was like, "Oh, you think you know multiverses? Let's let's do it big, baby. Let's do it bigger. Let's do it with more Harder, CGI, faster. Yeah. And but you know what? Darker. They, have, they didn't have Michelle Yao, so I mean, she was in she was in uh, uh, Shang Chi, but like they didn't have Michelle Yao or Jamie Lee Curtis. She was she was a gem. Everything, everywhere, all at once. What's everything? What's everywhere? It's it's it all the moods, because honestly, um, I can I can pinpoint just one mood that will go with this movie because everything works with this movie. Uh, it, it genre flips, which is the thing with the movie is it's it's not a pure sci fi movie. It's not a pure fantasy movie. It's not a it's like part coming of age with the teenage daughter. It's part midlife crisis movie with Michelle Yao and her husband. Um, it has so many moods in so many places. That... I have a question for you. Yes. If you had another life where you would become a movie star and you were so successful and so famous, 
would you still rather doing taxes and laundry with me in another universe? You know, there's no universe in which I want to be a famous movie star. Or without me? Come on. Oh, that's, I guess that's the right answer. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, everything everywhere all at way once. Way to trick me. Way to way to be a trickster. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's sort of a miracle of a movie. It's um original screenplay. It's made with like two dollars, and it has great great actors, and it's a crazy crazy script, and. It's just everything, everywhere, all at once. I don't think there could be any other title for the movie, except for crazy, like crazy mashup or something like that. I bet they had really good snacks on set. Hmm. Do you think they had bagels on set? I, I don't know, but like the creative output of that movie, everyone doing all that, I bet they had really good snacks on set. Everyone was so at their A game and you only get A game performances with really good snacks on set. And good coffee, not that Bustello, you know, garbage that we usually get on set. Isn't that right? Uh, I just, I just have a theory. That's that's my theory that that they were fueling those people. Like they had a two dollar budget, but a lot of that, like a dollar fifty, that went to on set snacks. Yeah. Honestly, they more of that they used their CGI budget better than any Marvel multiverse movie recently. And then what about another crazy everything everywhere movie all at once? Elvis by Bas Lerman. What kind that of was mode? everything everywhere all at once for completely <laughs> different reasons. But it's right, right? Like we have two everything everywhere movies this year. We have yes, Elvis. Except one was on purpose and one was on accident. And the on purpose one was titled appropriately. And the one on accident just happened because there was no one, no adult in the room telling them to cut that script down. Do you think that Bas Lerman sits down to make a movie and he he doesn't think that this movie is going everywhere because have you ever seen Bas Lerman doing something different? I don't think so. I um, think this is exactly his mindset. So, so my 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 mentor in theater actually so Bas Lerman had like a brief detour in his career into theater and my mentor was his sound person. Oh. And uh and Anytime we'd talk about a stressful situation at work, my mentor would pipe up and he'd go, nothing beats, none of this compares to the stress of working for Boz Lerman. <laughs> and you'd stop and be like, explain yourself. And he, he goes, you don't say no to Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman works in movies, not in physical space where anything can happen to the movies. So if anything happens in a movie, when Boz Lerman's on stage, he expects anything to happen in the room. And you don't say no to Boz Lerman. Um, like the first role of working for him is the answer is always yes. Um, so I think it's just he's he's a kid in a candy store. Um, his candy is visual. Um, he's up there with like James Cameron for people who uh, want eye candy first and foremost, and then the the the, the storytelling is secondary. I'd say there's a little more meat to Boz Lerman's movies than. Uh, James than Cameron's. James Cameron's, but yeah. Boz Lerman also like does not do originals. Like, uh, I mean, Great Gatsby was his, and you know he had he had this. Yeah, it's an adapted screenplay, but like even Elvis to a point is an adapted screenplay off of a yeah. known story. Yeah. So he's he. I'd say he's like this person who gives us like eye candy with an adapted adapted screenplay. I don't 
it would did, he did Romeo plus Juliet again. Yes. Eye candy, top notch eye candy. Um Moulin visually, Rouge. visually striking. Moulin, I've never seen Moulin Rouge. What? But, uh, is that adapted? Did he make the script? Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Honestly, it's not. It's it's not a Broadway musical. I mean, it or, is. Does doesn't matter. Seen it. But was it after? The, it, it was. Um... It was a movie before it was a Broadway musical. It's a... okay. So the the musical is based on the movie, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so then it's but probably is the, is, is the movie scribbling. is the movie based off of a book though or something? I'm like, not sure. I don't. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. Or am I confusing I think... it with Les Mis? Oh no, definitely Les Mis is a different thing. But uh, if Les Mis would have been done by Baz Luhrmann, I think it would be three times the miserable nightmare that it is. Yeah, it's already a pretty big miserable nightmare. Um, but yes. but so, so but I think I think it, it's it's this like I don't know how Boslerman came to be I don't know his background I don't know anything about him other than everything I've seen of him is a eye candy spectacle that I just want to mute it and keep it on in the background because it's you very know, pretty. Honestly, um, there was a time I- when I thought that Boslerman was just too much to watch. You know, like everything was too much and you had to be in like this very hectic um hyper mood to watch his movies which honestly can be a mood to watch elvis you've never Um, seen romeo plus juliet which is no but you've never seen titanic so you know if you not not here nor there i'm i'm above all of this movie nonsense yeah sure 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 film 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 nonsense yeah remember we say films um, this is this is a, a high end podcast um, recorded on Zoom. Anyways, I used to think that Baslerman was, you know, like very pretentious and you know, like obnoxious, and I it was it was not my thing, you know. Even though I really enjoyed uh, Milan Rouge, Rouge. <laughs> Sorry, English is not my first language. Um, the first time that I watch it, but right now I have honestly I have mad respect for that guy. You know how hard it is to be a director of such a big spectacle and to make it work. Because he did Australia. You can, you can, yeah, he's a. That was a fun movie. Because he is Australian, um, isn't he? I'm sure he's Australian. He is. That was a fun, yeah. fun fucking movie. I, I like that never one a lot. It. Um. Anyways, I think. I have respect for him because he takes all of this too muchness and he makes it work. Um, because there is no possible way that you watch Elvis and you leave the theater not thinking this was entertaining. He's you know? only done six movies. Yeah. Do you think like how his movies are? Would you make more than? one every five years okay no here's the deal though like i don't understand directing on on a film level because suddenly these people go from nowhere to being given millions upon millions of dollars and like like he went you know strictly ballroom 92 never seen it heard of it kind of want to watch it now romeo plus juliet 96 loved it watched it a lot in high school because uh, that's what the substitute teachers put on an english class whenever there's a substitute teacher great movie yeah um if you if you're a fan of 90 90s music videos the entirety of romeo and juliet is shot in a 90s music video style which is like like ugh, gorgeous um moulin rouge australia great gatsby elvis so he goes from like low budget to like obscene high budget very quickly and uses every dollar of those budgets and 
and I uses Leonardo DiCaprio that. for most of them. I really respect him for that because maybe if I, I might not like his movies. I mean, I do like most of his movies, but like I hated, um, um, the great Gatsby, but well, that's because I sort I, of hated the book too. But, I, I, I also don't think, I think it's a different kind of like, it's like, I don't think yes. you can truly like, like, like capital L like a Baz Luhrmann movie. I think you respect a Baz Luhrmann movie. I think I like Elvis a lot. Uh, I truly I think, enjoyed it. The music was great. Sound I, design was great. Um, production design was great. Editing, editing was wild. Um, you got to respect that. You know? I liked it was a movie that was less than the sum of its parts. Every individual scene of that movie was good. Yeah. Woven together as a narrative whole, it was less than good. Now, do you believe in Austin Butler as Elvis? Yeah, sure. I don't know. He, he was fine. You like, think it was good? What about the great acting by Tom Hanks? <laughs> uh, honestly, I only watched it for Papa Hanks. And I ended up not. You ended up liking. with daddy issues after that because well, it's so bad. Yeah, it's like Tom Hanks is making some like very weird late like, career decisions right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he needs the money. I don't know if he's paying off Greece for that citizenship he just got. And he's like trying to get the money. Um, <laughs> he got he was... a Greek citizenship? Techn techn technically, his wife is Greek and she got a citizenship and Greece has a weird passport thing where, you know, you know, like golden visas um, yeah. because 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 his wife is Greek, she can get the passport like a resident passport. Yeah. Tom Hanks, for his role in producing Mamma Mia 2, was given a golden visa. So he it's like a non-voting passport. He's not a citizenship citizen. His wife is a citizen. She got citizenship. He's not, from what I understand, he's not a citizen, but has a pass like an official Greek passport now um for his efforts in producing Mamma Mia too. Are you getting the, uh Italian citizenship after you marry me? Uh, I can only hope what Mama about Mia. Venezuelan? What about Venezuelan? Give me give, fuck me up with passports, baby. All the passports everything everywhere <laughs> you're gonna be from everywhere um, uh you know once i'm 36 i'll go get that israeli passport that i'm entitled to for being jewish as long as I, like one, once i'm old enough to not have to do the military service i'll go this will be the perfect international marriage um you can be israeli because you're jewish but also you can be italian because i'm catholic so you this know what is the start of a great heist movie yeah, I think it is. Should we just? I've always wanted a drawer of passports Should ever since I saw Spy Kids. Mr. and Mrs. Mata Bell. Uh, instead of Smith. If we, if we, if we, uh, if we change our names too many times, the government will get on to us. But also, my first name means death in Hebrew. Your yes. last name means death in Spanish. Matt Mata, death, death. I'm the spy of dreams that it's just meant to be and also i think we should stop talking right now about that because someone might be hearing give me the 007 title man i need a murder <laughs> license to kill uh elvis a movie to watch when you're feeling hyper i would um, say and when you're feeling musical honestly because it it is a musical it has some of the best editing with music in a movie of the last i've, I've seen in a while they're like 
the way they use those two rap songs and i wish it was a bigger yeah. motif in the movie because i wish there was one of those an act like i wish every act they had figured out some way to incorporate some big rap song in a needle drop like they did the, the two big times they did it but it kind of peters out halfway through so do you know that scene where he's lit in the uh the band uh when he's starting in vegas that he's yeah. lit in the bank to you know create i think he was creating um because i love you too much baby What's i couldn't that? name all the song don't worry can... suspicious minds when he was creating suspicious minds uh he leads the band to create the the song and what happened in the production like in real life what happened was that um austin butler actually is a musician by himself he took like a lot of you does know he, music does lessons. he play guitar yeah he plays guitar and okay. the thing is that all the musicians on stage for the production they were real musicians they were not actually actors they were musicians but the problem was that they were filming this scene the sequence and austin was very into it and he was just like you know directing everyone and he was you know believing the part and what happened was that all the musicians had their instruments unplugged because you know they were muted because you know they were filming and whatever and then they stopped filming the sequence and Austin went to Bass and he was like, hey, dude, this is not working. Like, this scene is not working. And he went, hey, are these musicians, like, are they able to actually play the music? And Bass was like, yeah, they're actual musicians. Um, so they plug everyone's instruments and he actually directed the scene musically like he went about on stage and he was like yeah and now you and now you do this and i'll play the guitar like this and um it's um, just a mood man it's he, just a mood he actually didn't say all of those words to boz lerman he screamed fuck it we'll do it live and then probably and then they all just did it live honestly great movie great entertainment movie like i watch it probably on a friday night or friday afternoon or something like that that is a movie that you so i have i have this thing with movies that when you finish watching them you get a little bit obsessed over details of the movie like when we watch well when i watched la la land i got obsessed with the soundtrack and i was listening to the soundtrack a lot and i got obsessed with all the references and when i finished watching this movie i got obsessed with elvis for a little bit and i was like watching you know his videos and, and listening to the music and stuff and i just think it was a big entertaining um experience and i would definitely watch it again but i need to watch it on a mood that i feel like i can pay attention just like everything everywhere. guess 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 what day i watched it on i don't know it's a trick question i watched it over three days because i couldn't handle the length of that movie at one sitting it put me to sleep That's right. not once but twice but also you were one. you were watching it when you came back from work right no 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 i started at like like eight o'clock on a friday night and at like 10 i was like all right i hit i hit like the first it's like that's a, that's a three-act movie and i yeah. hit the end but they're long they're long acts and i hit the end of act one um, right when he's at the Hollywood sign and he's about to like reboot his career. And I went, all right, that's the break point for tonight. Oh, I remember I'm that. done. Yeah. And then the next night I watched the next act up until, up until his like TV special. And then the third night 
Um, and like the third act's only like the, the first act's like an hour and 10, the second act's like an hour, and the third act is like 30 minutes. Uh, it's not well spaced out at all. Fun fact, the TV special was the first day on set for Austin. What a weird place to start that. I know. It was thanks to the pandemic because everything shifted. Um, Don't you think that all the movies this year are so long? The movies directed are at least like two and a half hours to three hours. Um, Because, for example... the development history of those movies and see if it's like, you know, the pandemic, we had so much time to write these fucking long scripts. And also we lost all of our editors to edit those scripts down. Yeah. Um, Also, maybe because they're mostly pandemic movies, um, they had time to go and re-edit most of them. Like most of them were edited during the pandemic or at least 2021. Songs are getting shorter. Songs are now 90 seconds for TikTok, yet movies are now... We, we've now like talked of like two of, two of the best movies for best Oscar are breaking three hours. Yeah. And you haven't watched Tar, which is my personal favorite of the year. And Tar is also like three hours. It's three hours and something. I don't know. Two hours, 50. I don't know. Um, uh, Very personally, for me, that movie went by like this. Like... I was never bored watching this movie and I honestly felt that I was alive watching this movie just like what, I felt I was alive watching Babylon which is a great movie that was mood not do I need to feel to watch Tar other than alive because maybe I'll have to watch it during the Oscars tonight you have to feel a lot of despair watching this movie <laughs> she says uh all right uh it's not let me me go walk around and grow some despair today yeah i don't think it's a fun movie at all i think it's a very interesting movie it's a it's a tense movie that keeps you on your toes and it keeps you on the edge of your seat because you have no idea what's about to happen um it's a suspense movie without actual any you know suspense um i have a movie question Okay, so this morning I woke up and I was like, I'm going to watch an Oscar nominated something or other. And so I read the Wikipedia for exactly one movie, and that was The Whale. And I went, man, Jesus, what a bummer. Why do so many movie people, why are they like, you you just listed despair as a, a feeling. Yeah. Why do so many people just willingly, they're like, you know what I want? I want a bummer um, because then like in the theater world, 2022 was the year of bummers on Broadway. Yeah. Um, but like so many of these big movies, it, it seems, it seems that like Hollywood's gone in the opposite direction where Tars like they're really only big. Is it a bummer? What do you call it? A bummer? I, I would say it's a bummer. It's definitely not. It's, a, like it's the only, definitely not everything everywhere. What's, what's the, what, what are the other movies we haven't talked about on the Oscars best list? How many of them do you think are bummers? All Quiet on the Western Front, it's a war bummer. movie, so bummer. I don't think it's, you know. Um, I saw the original in high school. It's a bummer. And then Women Talking, it's definitely a bummer. It's about... Why? Shouldn't we be celebrating Women Talking? Uh, Yeah, but do you know what this movie is about? Women Talking, duh. It's, uh, it's, a, movie, it's a movie about uh, women <laughs> um, talking. Shocking. In a barn. Okay, you tell me more. Tell me about, more about about how the men in their community abuse them and their children, and okay, they that's were a bummer. 
yes, it is a bummer. Um, and it's also a Sarah Polly movie, and there is no media content in existence made by Sarah Polly that is not a bummer. So that was a bummer. So, so I don't know Oscar's history, but it seems like like generically, if I was going to associate a movie with like if it's going to be an Oscar winner, I'm going to associate it as a bummer of a movie. Yeah. Um, is it is it like is this like an, a movie like trend where like we're seeing a lot of these like not bombers as like big Oscar contenders because it's a like it's like the first big post pandemic year but usually yeah. like these these bombers are like the the, the Oscar up for Oscars. So this is this Her- is why... Parasite was a bummer. Do you think? I think it was a highly entertaining movie. I didn't see it. <laughs> it was. You haven't watched Parasite? No, oh, I just read you all the hype around it. You should watch it tonight. Yeah, it's, watch it's, tonight. It's great. It's a Korean movie, film, sorry. It's a Korean film and it's it's everything. It's uh, it's a mixed genre. It's it's comedy, it's you know tension, what I did instead of it's watching... horror, drama, it's everything. I watched Squid Game instead of watching Parasite because they both oh, hit like the pop culture moment about the same time. Well, one, I still want to marry you Squid after that comment. And two, I think you should definitely watch um, um, Parasite. Maybe tonight. Right. Also, Parasite won Best Movie, Best Picture, sorry, on the Oscars 2020. And that was like two weeks before the world ended. And that was the, I'm gonna say, that was the happiest moment of the year. I'm going to say one comment that might make you change your mind about everything. About everything what? Just say it what so would you on your ratings of of tv shows that you hate people talking about which one is higher squid game or breaking pad because i think they both attract the same quality in person i don't know and do you think you, do you think breaking I'm, bad and do you think i'm right in saying that they both attract the same quality and mega fans i think you're right I think I, I think there is like a hundred percent overlap in the type of insufferable person who doesn't shut up about the Squid Game and the type of person who doesn't shut the fuck up about Breaking Bad. Yeah, but on the other hand, you love Breaking Bad. But on the other hand, I also love Squid Game. So I don't know how, but okay. Uh, yes. God, it's so good. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, you, you should you definitely watch Parasite. No, I I'll you. watch Parasite tonight. I I'll watch you. Parasite tonight. You were asking me about why you think bummer movies are why so Oscars high love praise. bummers, and like, is it a thing with movie people where you're like, you know what? Let me just stew in some feelings for two and a half to three hours. Repeatedly. So I think I think the deal is that a lot of directors feel that they have to go into bummers to create high art that comes from you know despair intention and sadness and drama and you know a lot of feelings clashing into each other and a lot of genres clashing into each other and honestly i think it's not easy to make a bummer movie it's not easy to go into a state of mind and production to create something that it's you know not cheerful and uh, I think I've been around that, a lot of artists, and I think bomber mode might be their default. It's usually the default. Do you know any very cheerful person that decides to go into the arts because their life are their I lives know, are great? I know a few, and we classify them as freaks. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, this goes a long way, but I think if you're, that- If you're someone who's that cheery, you're immediately distrusted in the arts. I think that studios Every artist are, is a tortured artist. Yes. Uh, this is going to end too. I think studios are given, uh, they know how to give a lot of money to dramas because that's what usually win in these sort of categories. And that's why I think everything everywhere is such a miracle for the, for the film production system, because also what happened with Parasite, um, it tells the system that, other things can be enjoyable and other movies and other genres can be enjoyable and they can be high praise, not just the big drama and the big war movies and the biopics and whatnot, right? Because if this was another year, the Fablemans, which we haven't even talked about, um, would have won every damn category that's been nominated. But what we have this year, it's a, it's a mix of of everything everywhere and then we have a little bit of the fablemans and a little bit of top gun and on, on the flip side the i haven't seen any advertising for the fablemans other than movie people being like give the fablemans a chance and the more people explain the fablemans to me the less i want to give it a chance so the deal with the fablemans is that the older academy members will love and vote for the fablemans because you know it's a spielberg's story it's a spielberg's basically biopic from his childhood. But does he have anything good to say? Um, it's a love letter to his mom. It's how he fell in love with movies. It's his own letter to movies, you know? And Hollywood loves that. They thrive on that. And they thrive on Steven Spielberg. So he obviously gets the praise from the older Academy members. But then you have uh, Everything Everywhere, which it's attracting all the young Academy voters and all the young audiences because it has everything everywhere and it's all at once like what can i say um so i think that's the that's the big clash in this year it's between the fablemans and everything everywhere and one represents the old school and one represents the new school and you know that's gonna keep happening as long as the academy keeps you know expanding the members um uh ballots i don't know slots i don't know um and then we have movies like The Benches of Inishirin, which is, yeah, it's sort of a bummer, but it's also highly funny. It's a dark comedy. And it's, do you think this movie would have been this nominated because it has a lot of nominations, like, I don't know, five years ago? I don't think it would have. I, I, think, I think we're in this, like, I, I don't think it would have been nominated even like three years ago. Like, I think, I think it it broke through only because of like this mass sense of like despair at the time. It, like, we all went through mass trauma and it's a movie about trauma essentially yeah and, and i think that's the, the only deal. reason it's like breaking through even though like he's like not none of his none of his other movies broke through the way this is broken through maybe and in bruges in, in bruges broke through to you it didn't well, break three billboards i didn't know that existed until this movie it's, it was it, it was good but it was not great um i definitely enjoyed more the benches anyways we're running out of time because that's what happens on podcasts and your final thoughts on how have you felt watching these movies over this past few months and i 
have a hot take. Yes. That I felt a lot of these movies were a big old waste of time. Okay. Um, Banshees was the only movie that was not like the biggest waste of time. Like everything everywhere in Banshees were the only two that I didn't feel wasted my time and some the, the only two that I felt respected my time. I felt Elvis while fun wasted my time. I felt Avatar Way of Water, massive disrespect to my time. Top Gun Maverick respectfully did not waste my time, but it was neither a circling, did not add much to the experience. Yeah. So it's going to be a real shame if Banshees doesn't, or Banshees are every, everywhere, doesn't like win a lot of stuff because they put me in all the right moods. All right. Second to last question. Is there yes. a movie from this year that you would have nominated instead of any of these movies that we talked oh, about? Oh, I anticipated this question and I pulled up oh, my yeah. letterbox in the background to look through what I watched this year. Um, because I was going to ask you this question. Okay. Because this was, this is what I wanted to ask you. Um, and you know what? So I've, I've gone, I've gone, I'm almost back at December. I have three, three whole pages of letterbox viewings from 2022. Fun fact. Um, and you know what? Um, no, uh, Banshees was, was still the best thing I saw all year. Um, all right. You know, you know, made Matrix I liked, but it's not going to win any awards because it wasn't that good. Um, yeah, and I'd say Banshees was the best thing I saw, and I saw a lot of stinkers this year. I didn't see a lot of good movies in the last the last year. Um, I think we watched all the good movies when I was in New York in December, and then things just went downhill from there. The the meme answer to this is Morbius should win everything. <laughs> <laughs> Morbius should win nothing. That was so bad. Oh, um, thank God I never watched and that. And where, where we diverge, you love the Batman. I think the Batman was a, one of the top five worst things I saw all year. Oh, man, it was such a great movie. I would watch that again a um, long time. What would you What would you wish to have seen on the, on the award circuit? I am checking my letterbox, too, because I don't remember what I watched. I think it's everything there. I probably would have nominated Marcel the Shell as the best movie. Oh, Marcel the Shell, definitely. I mean, it's, it's on it's on animated, but I would have God, added to I was, best movie. I have I was within moments of crying on an airplane in a very public space. I, um, as you remember, movie. I did cry on an airplane next to you watching Marcel the Shell, and that it was movie, not a, that, it was not a great experience, but it was a great I, movie. Uh, um, I understand why it wasn't best picture, but like it's one of I the top five things. Don't I've think seen that Turning Red was nominated as best animated movie, and I would have done that. As far as I know, I don't think it was nominated. Was um, was is Puts in Puss in Boots eligible against Turning Red right now? I think it is. Or is Puts in Boots next year? No, it's this year. Um, turning Turning Red, like. It was the best thing up until it came out, and then it, it was surpassed very quickly by yeah. other movies. The, well, the bar was very high this year for animated movies. Yeah, it was great. Um, I have a dear friend that it's working on some great movies, too, in Sony Animation. Um, Alex, if you hear this, give me a shout out on Telegram after you hear this. Um, she, was, she was behind the team of... Um, uh the mitchells versus the machines which was a great movie from that last was year. so fucking last good. last year oh my god year. um anyways mitchells versus the machines needs a sequel i think we should wrap this up i have one last question for you are you ready yes will you marry me yeah sure why not okay i think that's a good enough 
answer. Uh, let's let's finish this. Um, thank you for doing this with me. This is a first, and I'm sure that there will be some other ones. I love you. You can uh, find me not on Twitter. Don't look for me on Twitter. Twitter. Where should devil. people find you? Do you uh, have anything to you... plug right now? Yeah, I have a book coming. I don't have shit to plug. Uh, if you need me, talk to Ori. She can get you in contact with me. Uh, um, don't look for me on Twitter. Quit Twitter, everyone. What about Instagram? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I observed Instagram. I don't I don't interact with Instagram. It's like a zoo. You go there it's to like watch Insta and then you Instagram leave. is a zoo. I go there to watch the animals. Well, I think this is it, Madbell. Thank you for joining me. Um, it'll be a pleasure to be married to you and talk about movies in the future. Madbell. Mad Mata, you're very right. Um, goodbye.